It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and thank you very much for joining me as we maybe, maybe spring has sprung for real. Baseball's underway. There's some signs of early tulips coming out of the ground, and and I'm sure we'll get a dusting of snow between now and when it's all over, but it's that time of the year when we just can't begin to wait to get outside enough and Certainly in our what I call year two, I guess, of, of COVID, we all know what that means and how much we want to be outside. So I'm going to start off this morning not talking about outside, but about things you do inside that make you feel like you're outside. And my question begs, what is the city of Chicago thinking? In Chicago at Navy Pier, which, of course, is closed, uh, we have one of the world's best IMAX theaters. Huge screen, 60 feet, 60 by 90 or more screen in an incredible theater. It is one of the very best in the world for IMAX, which of course IMAX movies have brought you things from Everest to Backyard Wilderness to all kinds of epic outdoor oriented films. The city of Chicago has announced that it is permanently closing the IMAX theater at Navy Pier. And I, when I heard this, I I actually, I just couldn't believe it. It was true because not only does Chicago depend on tourism, and we know that to a large extent, but tourism occurs because we have really unique things to do in Chicago. Great museums, great lakefront, sometimes great sports teams. And we have great theaters, and we had one of the world's best IMAX theaters, which cost a great deal of money to create, to build. So why would we close an IMAX theater that is world-class to replace it with something that will just be another restaurant or bar or I don't know what it will be. They haven't decided as far as I know. But what it won't be is it won't be a -a one-of-a-kind It won't be world-class. And what does this have to do with the great outdoors? It has to do with, think of the tens of thousands and over the years, millions probably of people in Chicago and coming through Chicago who have been to Navy Pier and been to the IMAX theater and learned about the great outdoors. Maybe they saw Everest there. Maybe they saw, as I said a moment ago, Backyard Wilderness. Maybe they saw a movie, an IMAX movie on space or on the oceans. IMAX has captured for 25 years, now more, the greatest cinematography ever done and presented on the large screen, the giant screen. And almost all of it is related to nature. And so in a time when more people are getting outside than ever, the pandemic has done that or, or want to get outside. When this is over, we're going to go back to work, and let's hope it's, it's ending. 
We're going to want to go back to work and we're going to want to be able to be taken to places that are extraordinary. And being able to go to Navy Pier and go to the IMAX theater was one of those places where you could go and be taken to somewhere on this planet or even beyond that was epic, absolutely epic. But we're not going to be able to do that anymore. And I don't know why. The Field Museum maintains an IMAX theater of great quality, science and industry does, but they are not in the tourist attraction business the way Navy Pier was. So as a taxpayer, those of you listening who live in the state of Illinois or in the city, I think we have a justifiable reason to ask, why would we close and tear down something that is truly world-class to replace it with something commercial that won't be as good? Maybe the Chicago way, as John Cass likes to say, somebody's making some money on this. I have no idea, but I know that we are losing something of real importance to the city of Chicago. We are losing a world-class IMAX theater which could introduce hundreds of thousands of individuals to the wonders of the great outdoors via IMAX. And IMAX is, has, has a, I'm sure, a lineup of phenomenal movies coming. So anyway, hopefully the decision can be replaced, re reversed, but I, for one, will miss the IMAX theater at Navy Pier, and I'll miss it for the reasons that IMAX is so famous, introducing us to the wonders of nature. Speaking of the wonders of nature, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how Ducks Unlimited was announcing a major initiative in the Great Lakes to work on water quality, which certainly we need to do. This week, it was announced at the other end of the spectrum, down the flyway, that the James M. Cox Foundation has just given Ducks Unlimited $1.1 million for its Gulf Coast initiative. This is big news, and this is big news on top of already big news. And it makes you think that there is a definite changing of the tide, if you will, in, in corporate interest in helping provide for clean water. Um, this work on the lower Mississippi to the Gulf Coast, Ducks Unlimited's Gulf Coast Initiative is aimed at water quality. We know that water quality is, is one of the things that is critical to, to all wildlife habitat. And it's the opportunity to quote from the release to facilitate wetland, wetland restorations in Louisiana that will not only benefit, but all those depend on this area for their livelihoods. Um, we are, as a continent, we are waking up to the importance of water. I've talked about it for years on this show. Without it, without clean and abundant water, not only do we not live, but wildlife don't do well. All the estimates that you see are indicating that we've had a, a phenomenal, just a phenomenal loss in, in bird habitat over the past uh, 25, 30 years. The estimates are high, 3 billion birds fewer. I don't know, as I said a few months ago when this was announced by Cornell, I don't know if it's 3 billion, 100 million, or, or 10 birds. It's more than 10 birds because I notice it. But whether it's 3 billion or hundreds of millions or more than 3 billion, the result is, is that we, we are losing. We are losing birds at an astonishing rate, just as we're losing butterflies at an astonishing rate. And all of these are harbingers as to what, as to what is going on, frankly, with our water. 
and what's going on with our pesticides, but it's all about water. So two out of the last three weeks, I've had the pleasure of talking about major water initiatives involving Ducks Unlimited. Uh, they are uh, they are really working in an area where we need to do a lot. When I come back in just a moment, I'm going to talk a little bit about a group called Stripers Forever, which is something we, we don't have in the Midwest. We're not concerned about striped bass, but what they're offering is a is an interesting take on, on how to manage a population that's in decline, and it's it's certainly not one that is being well received. And I also want to talk a little bit about Bristol Bay in Alaska as the uh, the drive to, to bring an end to the pebble mine. You know, we believe has been successful, and what does this mean for conservation, not only in Alaska but for the conservation efforts throughout throughout the country? It's it's a strategy for success. Uh, so I'll be back in just a moment, and I'll have more on the great outdoors. I thank you so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voices Chicago and America, 720 WGN Radio. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And if you're just joining me, welcome and thank you for being with me. If you've been with me since the start of the show this morning, as I promised before the break, I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit bizarre. There's a very small organization called Strikers Forever, and it's out of New England, and it's supported by sport fishermen, and you may have heard of me talk about this group a couple times in the past five or six years as they were doing cutting-edge research trying to figure out why uh, striped bass populations have fallen so badly, and they have fallen terribly in areas of the, of the East Coast, New England, uh, and what can be done about it in conflicting studies. Um, some of them said that the reason that the striped bass populations are plummeting is because of recreational anglers, not because they're keeping the fish, but because even after you release a striped bass, it's it's so weakened and it has uh, put itself, it's, it's, it's really used up a lot of its strength. And when you fight a fish in an ocean, it gives off a, uh, it excretes um, a scent which adrenaline, which often attracts sharks and, and other uh, predatory fish. So the, um, the striped bass population has been declining. And 
the study said, well, part of the reason could be is that recreational anglers are releasing the fish and, the, and a lot of them die anyway. It, and it said that maybe commercial fishing was not the, um, was not the reason for the decline. Uh, Stripers Forever um, had felt that commercial fishing was a big reason for the decline. It turns out that maybe recreational fishing is. So the main-based organization, and the reason I'm talking about this is, is because it shows how, uh, how organizations without a lot of science can really affect things. And so we don't know why they're declining, but we do know the decline in bait fish, which is certainly a, a staple of any fish population, uh, is important. And the Manhattan population has been declining. But so anyway, uh, the main base stripers for, uh, forever uh, released a bombshell last week when it said it would like to see a 10-year moratorium on striped bass harvest for both commercial and recreational anglers. In the last 40 years, striped bass have gone from nearly extinct, which is true along the East Coast, to extremely abundant. Uh, and, but now the tides are turning again and stripers are becoming scarcer uh, than they were, much scarcer than they were 20 years ago. Of course, if you go further north, um, you're going to find striped bass are now inhabiting many of the most famous salmon rivers in the world, uh, up in Quebec and Newfoundland and Labrador and Striped bass have absolutely moved up into these areas. Is it striped bass that used to be in New England that are now up there? People, people really don't know, but, it, but they're trying to get rid of striped bass in the St. Lawrence Seaway, and now they're calling for a moratorium on striped bass, keeping striped bass fishing uh, either recreationally or, or, uh, or commercially. Their chances for success, I think, are less than zero. That means that it's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen uh, because it, it, the science isn't there, and the commercial fishing lobby is powerful, and the recreational fishing group brings a lot of money to the industry. So uh, if you can't keep an occasional striper, people, people are likely not to fish for them. I think that's true, although we've learned with trout fishing that very few people keep their trout at all. But what this points to me is how organizations – with a relatively small base and, and the band and lacking the bandwidth to really do a lot of research, step out on a limb and, and advocate for positions that, that really don't have the science behind them. And it reminds me of something of which I was a part of, uh, over 30 years ago, a case where an organization at the time, uh, the Delta Waterfowl Foundation, uh, which, full disclosure, I was, I was running at the time. Uh, it was the late 1980s, and pintail populations and all duck populations had, were, were in serious decline because of years of drought, and pintail were particularly in serious decline. And the Delta Waterfowl Station, which is the premier research station in the world for wetlands and waterfowl research, uh, issued a, a statement that said the harvest or the shooting of pintail should cease, that the pintail season should be closed. And this set off an absolute firestorm uh, in the Fish and Wildlife Service and the conservation community. Uh, Delta's position did not have strong science. 
but Delta was viewed as the strongest science entity, independent entity in the country, the world. And, and it issued a statement that said we should close the pintail season because of falling populations. Uh, I remember very well what took place and the, the, the criticism and the ridicule and the disdain. Uh, and I learned from that. And now I, and I learned it was a mistake. We didn't have the science. Maybe we had the intuitive common sense to say we should close the pintail season because populations have plummeted. But we didn't have the, the real science to back it up. And that's what's happened to strikers forever today. They don't have any science to back up this call for a moratorium. So whenever conservation groups, whatever they might be, get out of their depths, you have to, you have to, to bring them back in. And in the case of Delta 30 years ago, uh, we were widely criticized for calling for a closure in the pintail season. I remember I was, it was demanded by the, by California Game and Fish Department and others that I go to California to see the pintail populations and how pin, important pintail were to habitat. And I came back from that and other trips to the West and, and met with leaders uh, across the country. And, and we backed down from that position. We realized we had made a mistake that we had overstepped. It would be great to see Strikers Forever realize that it too has made a mistake and it has overstepped and that it does not have, it does not have the science to call for such a closure. Uh, before I, I sign off, uh, I did want to talk for just a moment about the pebble mine in Alaska. We've talked a lot about it. It's a, it's a success story in stopping a, a very ill-conceived mine at the headwaters of the Nishigak, uh and Quijack Rivers up in Alaska, in Bristol Bay, or actually, not the Quijack, but the Nishigak. And um, the reason for bringing it up today is we've had a change in administrations. Let's hope we don't go too far in closing off, in closing off responsible uh, projects, whether they be timber or whether they be uh, some other kind of development, oil and gas. We can do certain developments in a very responsible way, and we should. Bristol Bay and the, and the copper mine that they were planning to put in for the precious metals mining was a disastrous, just a disastrous idea because of the tailings that would have come down filled with arsenic in a highly, highly active earthquake seismic part of the world. But that doesn't mean we should stop all projects. Not all projects are bad at all. And I would hope the incoming administration really realizes that we have the technology to do good, to do good mineral extraction. We have the technology to do good, do good timber management, and we have to do timber management. We talk a lot about that on the Great Outdoors show, or we're going to have an absolute calamity, again, with wildfires. And I'm very, very worried that the incoming administration in Washington is not interested in managing as much as they are in simply closing down and shutting off things and paying attention to, to environmental groups that masquerade as conservation groups uh, and, and live in the courts instead of living on the land and trying to make things work that benefit all forms of wildlife, whether it be real game or, or simply non-game species. So we'll have more on that in the coming weeks. I'm sure of that. 
I hope you have a great week in the great outdoors. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.